You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Pacers fans, welcome into a rare Sunday edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast. We're doing an episode today to make up for that Tuesday we took off right before the season started. Plus, it's sandwiched between a game that had two days off before it and there's a game tomorrow. So we're going to do a little cheating and just put one in here since we you know, had two days off. It made it easier for us, but today I'm going to... Oh, I didn't say who I am. <laughs> I'm Tony East, one of the hosts of the show with the West Indianapolis Community News, and I write over at 8.9 seconds also. Um, and today we're going to talk about that Cavs game from last night, which was weird. I mean, they won and they should have won. That's not weird. I, I'll get into why I thought it was weird, uh, which was a weird game. And then I kind of want to talk about the early season for some of the younger dudes, mostly Edmund Sumner and Aaron Holiday, because I feel like they're the two guys with the most intrigue maybe is the wrong word but you know for the young guys in general they are the guys who you know have the most room for growth maybe that's it and people really were excited to watch those guys go up Um, but I'm gonna hop right into the Cavs game to start it because it was just weird like first of all I felt like nobody watched it like it was the least interactive Twitter has been during a game this season Uh, I'm gonna go with Halloween being the cause Halloween nights being the cause for that (laughs) but I don't really know maybe people weren't too jazzed up to watch the own five caps without Kevin Love that's also an option Um, but that's a big part of this game is no Kevin Love uh, and yet Sam Decker started at the four and yet the Cavs out rebounded the Pacers 39-24 which at first glance you know either you didn't like, if you didn't watch it and or you're reading about it, uh, that sounds hilariously weird. Like, the Pacers are averaging something like 45, 46 rebounds a game. It's like, how did they only grab 24 rebounds? And even watching it, you know, I felt like they were getting beat up on the glass a lot. Tristan Thompson eats Miles Turner alive every time these two teams play. He just destroys him on the glass. Uh, he had two offensive rebounds, I think, on the Cavs' seven, second possession alone. He ended the game with six rebounds, and all six were offensive. Like, Tristan Thompson just kills his team. It's so crazy. Um, but, you know, the Pacers only got 24 rebounds to me because they shot the freaking lights out of this game. The Pacers are, you know, defensive rebounding, the discrepancy was only 23-20. to 20. They were only three behind. So on misses, they were about even with the Cavs. I mean, they were a little worse, and they the whole team had a bad rebounding day. The post guys, just none of them lived up to their rebounding. Turner finished the game with two. Sabonis had five. Thad Young had two. Like, these guys are normally your top-flight rebounders. They combined for nine. Um, meanwhile, the Cavs' top guys, I mean, I just said Thompson had zero defensive rebounds the whole game. I mean, that's just crazy. The reasoning for that is a lot of them made shots, which sounds weird in a game where the final was 119-107. It wasn't like a crazy high score. But the Pacers just were not missing. Every single player in the rotation shot 50% or better. Doug McDermott was one of two. Everyone else was uh, above 60% even. Uh, and, you know, that makes it hard to get rebounds when the ball is going in the basket. That sounds like such a simple thing. But you don't look like – like you, you read a sentence that says – the Pacers got out-rebounded 39-24. to 24. Then the next sentence says, the Pacers shot 65% from the field. You don't think of those things in tandem unless you realize that they are basically in tandem. Um, but, so they did get bullied on the glass. That is accurate. But it's not like they were they were bad. <laughs> but it's not like they only got 24 rebounds because they were bad. They only got 24 rebounds because they made a lot of shots. They probably would have finished closer to 30-35 to 35 if this game had normal shooting. Um 
But I think that should be talked about. This Cavs defense is not very good. Kevin Love is their best player. He didn't play. So more transition opportunities for the Pacers because the Cavs are going to miss more. Uh, and their other good offensive player, usually Chetty Osman, shot 4 of 13. So just a lot of easy opportunities for the Pacers to get good shots in this game. And they really showed they really showed they could do it. Boyan Bogdanovich was 10 of 14. Um, and he was operating off ball a lot normally, but he had a few nice drives to the basket in this game. Tristan Thompson, for all he is, is a good rebounder. is not a good rim protector. They could take it right at him. Uh, he took five threes, hit two of them, typical Boyan game. But he led the team in scoring for the third time this year out of six games. That's pretty impressive. Um, and, you know, I think he needs to be talked about more as, as an important player. Uh, the Bucks shut him down, and the Pacers could not get anything going on offense. I don't think that's not a correlated thing. Uh, he can stroke it from the outside, which spaces the floor for everybody else. It, it's, he's just an important player, and it, his defense is not very good. That's super accurate, but it, it, you know it's worth talking about that he is a key to keeping that offense afloat, especially when he's shooting as well as he did last night. I knew who else shot well. Victor Oladipo uh, took only one more shot than Boyan. Also had ten makes, finished with twenty-four instead uh, because he would have. He had a pretty easy chance to lead the team in scoring, but two of six from the free throw line. Uh, which is concerning. I mean, he only got, first of all, only getting to the line six times is kind of meh. I mean, Vic's pretty good at driving to the basket. I feel like he could get a few more free throw attempts if he wanted. And this continues a trend of, like, alarmingly bad free throw shooting this season for Oladipo. He's now 15 for 28 through six games. It's 54%, which is horrible. That's Thad Young last year levels. And Thad Young was the guy that opposing teams intentionally tried to foul at the end of games to try to get him to miss and get the team extra possessions. So, I don't know what's up with Vic there. He shot well from three, shot well from two. Free throws just not falling, and I don't know why. Uh, that's something to, to keep an eye on. Uh, another key for Vic is six assists. I don't really have it in front of me, although I should because it came up on the website. I edited a lot of posts for. Uh, but me and Ben Gibson noticed the other day that Vic's usage is higher than last year, and maybe it's not necessarily a good thing. Um, and Ben looked into that, which is pretty interesting because Vic's usage is, right now is higher than Paul George's ever was. Um, as a pacer, which is completely wild. Um, you're not going to find this stat in time. There's just no way. It's something about the record of, with Vic having a certain number of assists, and it's really it's really cool because they the, – the, oh, here it is. Yes, good. So Oladipo, in his time with the Pacers, they're 17-15 and 15 when he has three or fewer assists, and they're 34-13 and 13 when he has four or more. So when he is passing it more, slash the team is moving the ball more, I'm not going to pin this all on him. I'll put the team in that lump. They're just better. I mean, and that that could also, you know, the correlating, excuse me, the confounding factor there also, you know, if if teams are doubling him, he's passing more, and they're getting solutions for, for defensive scheme. Anyway, the, the fact of the matter is when he is finding open teammates, the team plays well. He had six assists in this one. Lo and behold, they won by 12. Um, I think that's an interesting stat. I'm not saying Vic needs to be passive. I'm not saying he needs to give it up more. I'm saying when the team is moving the ball well and it translates through Vic and doesn't stop with Vic, they are at their absolute peak on offense in this game that happened. And finally, we got to see a little more Collison actually hitting his shots. Finally, I mean, wow, I'm sorry. Mid-talking, I just saw that the Cavs fired Ty Lue on Twitter, um, which is crazy that I'm recording a podcast about this right now, and that happened because someone asked me during the game when that will happen. Um, so Ty Lue apparently did not coach well enough in this Pacers game to get to keep his job. Uh, so that's fascinating. Anyway, Darren Collison finally had a good game. Uh, wow, I can't even believe they fired him six games into the season. Like, Earl Watson barely got that far, and he's way worse than Ty Lue. Anyway, live reaction to news. 
Darren Carlson, sorry, I keep detracting from him. Finally having a get back on track kind of game, hit his only three, made all of his free throws, five of eight from the field, was a plus 15, had 15 points, also had six assists. He got to operate a little more on ball, which I think is something that he should be doing more often. That He did that last year and did a good job of it, so I don't know why that, that got taken away from him so much. Um, I, I think when he's on the ball a little more, the team is a little better. So good for him to, to finally get it back on track. And then the bench guys... Kojo three or four, just Sabonis six to nine, and led led the team. I put air quotes around it with five rebounds because Corey Joseph also had five rebounds. But I mean, those two guys were both very good off the bench. Uh, McDermott hit his only three. Leaf uh, will come up in the next section, so I won't talk about his, his game. But he wasn't in the rotation; he only played five minutes. So really, just a good shooting game from everybody. Um, keeping the Cavs off the glass is as easy as making shots, <laughs> which is kind of amazing. Uh, and and they they didn't have to play the greatest defense um, because they were getting a lot of transition opportunities while the Cavs were missing all these shots. Um, they didn't have Kevin Love, at, and they could get some easy points to get back into their five-on-five, five, um, which that could have been the difference in this one, really. I mean, they, they just made more shots and were able to play five-on-five five D a little bit more uh, than the Cavs did. So pretty fascinating game overall in that way that just it was <clears throat> unique. Um in the scoring patterns, the Cavs shot abysmally 7 of 25 from 3. That will not work in the modern NBA. Great perimeter defense from everybody. They didn't really miss... Uh, that's not true. They did miss Tyreek uh, a bit more than I thought, just because the guards played more minutes, mostly. But also, like McDermott couldn't get as many open looks because he didn't have a guy to find him. Uh, they had a little more of a load on Carlson with the second unit. That's how he was able to get some more of those on-ball shots without him. They, the second unit did look worse, that he couldn't run the Sabonis-Tim pick-and-roll without Tyreek. Uh, he'll be back for the Portland game, so not a huge deal. I'll preview that game tomorrow. Um, but you could tell that they were just a little more stagnant without him on the second unit. So just keep an eye on on that <clears throat> uh, as he comes back. And hopefully, um, with whatever the reason is, he got disciplined. I know they said late practice. It sounds like there might be more to that based on what McMillan said before shoot-around at this game. Who really knows, but it doesn't sound like he's really gelling with organizational policies. And maybe that's just, you know, a, a bit of unfortunate circumstance. This suspension gets him right back on track. Uh, someone on Twitter tweeted at me and said, he's a grown man. I'd be annoyed that they punished me for a game and only made me sit out a game. I think you make him, pl- like, he basically said the punishment was weak because he's an adult. I'm thinking, dude, he just got $200,000 taken away from him, so... Um, pretty severe deal for Evans. I think this is getting glossed over, but I hope he gets back on track and can help the second unit. Um, but I'm going to pivot now and talk about the young guys for a little bit before I get out of here. Uh, and I will have a Portland preview up tomorrow for you guys to so be on the lookout for that. But yeah, after the break, let's talk about some of the younger guys early season. All right, guys. So <clears throat> the guys I want to focus on um, are Leaf, uh, Sumner, and Holiday. Alize Johnson, for as much as he's exciting and has all this potential, hasn't really played enough for me to make any branching statements about him. He got in at the end of he gets in at the end of a lot of games. It seems like all the Pacers games are just complete like blowouts in either direction. Every game they've played has had a margin of at least ten in one of one or other directions, which is just hilarious. Um, so uh, these guys keep getting in at the end of games, but Alize's only played nine minutes, so I'm not going to focus as much on him. Um, I want to focus on Sumner, Leaf, and Holiday, the guys who I feel like any one of them taking a substantial step forward within the next two years helps the Pacers so much with not having to sign someone to that their particular position in free agency. It helps the cap sheet a ton, and yeah, it's worth talking about. So Holiday, um, 
banked in his first three, and that's his only three-point bank of his NBA career so far. Um, he's, he's hitting from two-point. He hit his only, I'm sorry, wow. There's only two shots, so it's hard to find the right sentence when the, the number is one. Uh, he made one of his two two-point attempts. He's just not really scoring a lot, only five points in his 16 minutes. He seems to be kind of deferring and fitting into the flow of the offense, which is kind of good um, because, you know, we, we we all thought his only skill would be scoring. Maybe that's bad. Maybe, I personally thought his only skill would be scoring. So the fact that he looks more to be like a floor generally, not floor general to, per se, but floor generally type is encouraging. Uh, I enjoy watching him more than I thought I would. He he seems to know what to do when a screen comes his way, when he has the ball in his hands. Um, so I, I like watching him. I think he has a better feel than I anticipated. His defense is very rough, but, I mean, he's a rookie. His defense was going to be very rough. He's turning it over a lot, which we anticipated from Summer League. But, again, he's a rookie. Rookies turn it over a lot. So he's doing all the things that rookies do a lot, but he's also doing some things better than you would expect. Uh, and a feel thing, you know, that's all opinion. Um, but I, I just I just think he's feeling it a bit more than I would have anticipated. Uh, a lot of rookie point guards just look so lost, and he looks only kind of lost. So <laughs> um, that's good for him. Uh, and I think I don't think he'll ever get any big minutes this year. Like 16 minutes through six games is about right. He uh, he played in five of them. I don't think he got in at the end of that Spurs game. Or no, I'm so, the Minnesota guy. I don't remember. Gosh, um, I can't remember which one he didn't get in. Anyway, um, yeah, so just an interesting season for him so far. I think uh, his development will be good to watch. But the fact that he has better feel, he understands pick and roll situations. I mean, the sets will come, but pick and roll is the key thing for him because once the play breaks down, he's going to be a, a scoring type. Uh, that'll be key for him to watch. That's good to see. Edmund Sumner also has gotten in five games. He was supposed to crack the rotation a lot in this Cavs game. Did not happen. Uh, he played five minutes and four seconds. Uh, he came in at the end of the second quarter, looked completely lost. Got one chance to score with about three seconds left in the quarter. Some rookie jitters slash possibly not knowing how much time is left on the clock. Got in the way. He threw up a weird floater. Didn't even hit the rim. Hit just the backboard. That was not looking good. But uh, they kind of used him weird in this Cavs game because he was actually a rotation player. He wasn't into, like, B. Edmund Sumner. Um, they kind of planted him in the corner a lot and said, all right, you know, you're going to have to res- – this guy can kind of shoot respect him out there. Uh, the Cavs really didn't – it didn't really work very well. Sumner's only scored once this season, um, has missed both his free throws. He's, he's just not gotten a lot of opportunity after a great preseason. Um, not turning it over, though, only one turnover in 20 minutes of play. Uh, doing fine at a lot of stuff. Just it looks jittery almost. He looks like he's star for an opportunity, um, and they're not giving it to him, and that's fine. I mean, I, there's no one I would say he should come in for. I just, I just feel like the preseason magic is not there. I feel like he was like more relaxed and loose in the preseason. He's more tense and jittery um, in these regular season games. I don't feel like that will impact his his roster status in any way. Uh, I still think they realize he has a lot of. Of promise, um, but I just I don't think he's ready to really step up if he's going to be jittery and tense. They have to find a way to make him relax, whether that's dominating G leaguers or you know they give him more of an opportunity that caters to him when he's in with the second unit. But anyway, just been not not perfect for him. We'll see how that develops as the G League season starts in four days. The last guy to talk about TJ Leaf. Uh, missed three games. It's really four. I mean, he was only in for one possession of that opening night game against the Grizzlies. So really, he's only played in two games. 
19 minutes in those two games, and he's over seven from the field, which is not good. Um, he's spacing the floor adequately. I feel like teams do respect, even though it was a small sample size, his high three-point percentage, which is good. <clears throat> uh, only two of his attempts have been from three, though. Teams really are not shutting that down. Um he only three rebounds in 19 minutes. Leafs offensive rebounding was awesome in the preseason, so I wish that would come back. Um, two assists though, which is just as much as either Holiday or Sumner have. Uh, so he, you know, he he's showing that he can fit in with the team well. His shots not falling. He still looks lost as bleep on defense. Um, so an improvement over last year in terms of gelling and just keeping up with the game. But if his shots not falling, what is he out there for at all? So not encouraging from Leaf, uh, but I hope that shot comes around. And there's no way he just can't ever make a shot. That's just not the case. So uh, just keep an eye on his his shot-making developments as the season goes along. Should be good to watch. <clears throat> but that's all I have. I'm sorry for that cough. That was very loud. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for tuning in to this rare Sunday edition of the Lockdown Pacers podcast. We'll be back in one day to talk preview this Portland game. And then our weekly show will be Tuesday this week. Thank you for tuning in, and have a great rest of your weekend.